0: Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Founder Pack Podcast, where your host, Brendan Rod, brings startup stories from experienced founders and other functional experts to help current and future founders get inspired and grow their knowledge with quick, tactical insights. Knowledge is power. Now more than ever.
1: Hey, Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, Brandon, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me today. How is your week going so far? Fast and furious. Just how we like it, right? (laughs) So what's going on in your world? What are you working on? Anything you think uh, other founders would benefit from hearing?
0: Well, probably like most founders, I'm just heads down on sales uh, to close out the year. Hard to believe that there's just not much time left in 2022, depending upon when this airs. So just on the grind, trying to book every demo, every sales call, every nook and cranny to uh, finish finish the year strong.
1: Anything you've uncovered doing founder led sales, any insights change in the market, talk tracks that you've found to be more successful?
0: Oh man, I wish I had the like needle in the haystack on that or the, uh, the golden egg. Uh, not not surprising just persistence right being able to stay dedicated for for me it's um a combination of inbound marketing so writing and creating content uh social amplification uh cold cold emails and that's probably the hardest one to stay persistent with because uh, those sure can beat you down when you're uh in the valley of no responses and wondering if your emails are even delivering and and getting opened and and everything else and getting right back uh, on it the the next day and and sending more out so yeah i would i'd probably just say holding yourself accountable to what you know you need to do and and being persistent with it
1: yes and i think it ties nicely into the theme of today's show which is kind of Bridging communication and having an identity, which is something that you seem to be quite passionate about, at least from our previous call. (laughs) But coming back to that outbound approach and the sales piece, like what are customers responsive to what seems to be working well in today's day and age with cold outreach, trying to get people's attention?
0: Yeah, and what a difficult thing it is because depending upon the industry and the roles you're reaching out to, uh, they might be being bombarded by cold email. Um, one of the things that I'm lucky to be able to do that's a little bit different, uh, our, our product Leadferno, uh, one of our main focuses is conversion from website visitors to leads. And we do this by placing uh, buttons on your website. Most people will be familiar with these, like live chat uh, buttons, but ours are to prompt text messages uh, as well as other conversion uh, uh, elements. So we kind of created a quick little screen generator. So... Uh, I go and basically plug in the Prospects website and we generate a mobile mockup and then customize what those buttons would look like on their site. So when I'm doing my first cold outreach, I'm including an image of our text and conversion buttons on their site. so we're we're giving them something that already allows them to picture themselves using our product. And there's a lot of products that just they're not even going to have that opportunity. Um, but if if you're able to write and you can include something like here's data about you or here's what, you know, here's how we could impact you, and you can hand something tangible or visual over instead of just the normal you have this problem, here's what we do. Um I I feel like that has definitely been a benefit for us uh in, in our cold outreach. So You know, maybe just looking at and addressing what is unique about our product and how can we deliver some of that uniqueness in our cold, in our very first cold email outreach, um, to get them interested or to get them to uh, reply, and use that to your advantage.
1: No, I love that. Like more show versus tell. People are kind of getting uh, bored to death with these death by PowerPoint and you know long boring emails, or like just book a time with me, schedule some time with me without providing any value. So I I really like your approach, and I think it can definitely be replicated into other industries and products for sure i think it's a good time for us to introduce you and just kind of give us a quick high level about your background and then perhaps segue into you know why did you go and develop this product what was the impetus for that
0: yeah so i'm aaron weike a lifelong digital marketing addict at this point um for about 15 plus years, I ran digital agencies. So, building websites, apps, search and social solutions for everything from small businesses to Fortune 100 companies. Uh, And then, after a a very long and successful run in that, I I needed a change. Uh, And I got really lucky, fortunate. I had a couple of uh, friends that had started a SaaS product. Um, that had gotten its feet uh, just underneath itself a little bit. And they brought me on to head up sales and marketing. And within a a year or two, I then uh, took over as CEO. That product was called Gather Up. It was around reputation management and customer feedback and led Gather Up to some great growth. um, And we ended up uh, exiting um, and getting acquired in 2019. Um, And at that point, I stayed on for a year. We're uh, acquired by a private equity firm. I thought that would be uh, just a great opportunity to work within a different type of organization. They'd also acquired six to seven other SaaS products, some uh, competitors and very similar to ours. So I got to see under the hood of other products, how they were made, how they were different than ours, their numbers, all those kind of things. But i Definitely wasn't going to last long. I had that entrepreneurial uh, itch or burn uh, or, or whatever it is going. Um, and luckily, I, I had an idea that I had been uh, thinking about for a, a while that ended up becoming Leadferno. And it was kind of a culmination of these experiences. So uh, the first part was from my agency days in building all kinds of websites. I always wanted some type of a conversion or a contact solution out of the box um, and something that was a little more forward thinking, something past just normal. Here's a contact form. Here's an estimate form Link to the email um, and and display the phone number. So that, that was one part of it. The other part was in working with 25,000 plus businesses uh, at GatherUp and having access to millions of reviews, I just saw how important communication and expectations were in great and poor experiences. Um, So those things really kind of combined there, along with just seeing the market shift in our communication patterns, moving to text messaging. um, If we look at our personal lives, that's how we communicate. We're no longer sending emails to friends and family uh, and hobbies and interests and organizations. We're, We're texting among all those areas. So the combination of those three things really led to uh, Leadferno and taking a look, how can we make um, uh, make it easier for businesses to acquire more leads by making it easier for consumers to reach out and communicate with those businesses uh, that they have interest in?
1: I tend to agree that the lines are blurring between personal and business communication. It, it seems to be now it's more about what's more convenient if you can catch me on my phone and I'm up for it, like, why not? If I don't want, I will just say stop, whatever. <laughs> but at least give give me the option because maybe it is more comfortable for me. Some people don't like to talk on the phone. Some people don't like emails and some people hate chatbots. So <laughs> SMS, I think, has a place somewhere in the mix.
0: Absolutely. We're seeing that. And you, you kind of touched on a, a number of different ways that that we see this coming to fruition. Um, one, anytime in life we find something that's easier for us or becomes habit, uh, we, we want to kind of spread it everywhere. We've all had these experiences where like, oh, You know, uh, here's how easy it was to buy from this company or to do business with them. I wish the other things I worked with, I wish my dry cleaner was that easy. I wish my lawn mowing service was that easy. I wish my accountant was that easy to work with. So we have those and we look at like, how can that apply? And when we have communication channels that that works with and with text messaging, it's asynchronous. We can manage our own time. We can fit in replies while we're waiting in line somewhere while we're riding in a car it doesn't have to be focused like a voice call does uh, to receive it or to make it um, and it takes out all of these other things of the pain of trading voicemails um, searching for something in your email inbox that is buried that you get all kinds of other marketing emails about uh, and, and everything else so all of those things really uh, combine and make texting a, a great Um, well opened, well read, easy to communicate, super easy to manage. You get a notification when there's a, a reply and I'm already doing all of my other personal communication in it. So all of those things really combine to make it a very productive communication channel for the consumer and for the business as well when you do the right things with it.
1: And I'm all for meeting customers where they're at. If that's where they are, if that's what they want, then why not? meet them there. And like you said, it's about not just having great products, but also having great buying experiences. Because if yours sucks and your competitors is great, you could have the inferior product, but the buying experience may be what sets you apart and causes you to lose that business. And it's a great segue to move into the topic at hand and theme of the show, why it's important to to have a company identity. So could you give us the high level of what does it mean to have a company identity? What is it and why is it important?
0: Yeah. So for me now in my second SaaS business, the, the first one, we were kind of early to market, but then it became extremely competitive uh, with all kinds of whether you want to call them you know copycats the market uh demand was there um just a lot of evolution and it went from just knowing a couple of competitors to dozens and you know weekly finding out about a new competitor being out in the the reputation space um and the same with this one like the the to some degree, the text messaging space has had solutions in it for a number of years. And so what I think is really important for SaaS founders is to really be honest with yourself and embrace your self-awareness and understand, like, how is your product truly unique? How are you going to concentrate on that uniqueness to your product decisions, to your positioning, to how you market and and how you sell? Um, Because if you don't, and you're really a thing is, oh, we're another version of this in the market, but cheaper, or we're another version of this in the market, but that and your uniqueness um, doesn't really separate you enough or has you in such close comparison, especially depending upon the type of business you're starting out. um, If you're bootstrapped or you don't have the marketing spend or the brand awareness, things like that, it's going to take you a really long time to, to chisel away. And then I think, uh, what becomes even more dangerous is that then your future decisions end up being almost routed to continue to copy that competitor or those competitors and keep pace with them instead of being able to move at the pace that works for you or is acceptable to your business, but continuing on, you know with that uniqueness that makes you who you are and helps you identify the the buyers that want that unique proposition and benefit that that you bring to the table.
1: So so does this fall within your framework of having your identity as part of your branding and category efforts? Where do you sort of start this process and where does it slot into the bigger like marketing objectives?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different ways... It can be from first idea. It can be years into the company. Um, If I take a look back at Gather Up, it took a few years for us to discover that identity. And for us, that identity was that all customer feedback is incredibly valuable and that first-party reviews, which are direct from the customer to the business, are just as, if not more valuable than third-party reviews on sites like Google and Facebook and Yelp and TripAdvisor. Um, and, and what we saw is the re- the majority of the market gravitate towards the shiny um, objects of Google reviews and Facebook reviews right there on other sites and everything else. And what we realized is in a number of ways, one, you could get your customer to leave you more direct feedback, like anywhere from three to 10 times the amount of feedback and structured feedback and first party reviews, then you could get them to publicly declare it on sites And it wasn't to say that wasn't available we we built a system that would ask in a funnel first party reviews first and then say great now would you go a step further and leave this on a third party site like google or like facebook so we were actually asking for both but we started realizing in our marketing and our positioning and our messaging we really needed to put out there to people here's here's a way you can capture much more data you can make your business so much smarter you can use it for so much more content in marketing um, than if you only go from these you know third party ones. So that really ended up you know that that is something that uh, came to us, and it was something that was kind of already part of the way we thought and what we looked at, but we didn't know at the time how to translate that into our positioning and our messaging and, and our marketing. And then once we did, that really helped fuel our growth because now we are aligned and we were kind of out there with exactly who we were instead of, I don't know if you want to call it pretending or not being aware of it um, and kind of stumbling through those conversations instead of just leading with it and controlling um, and telling them this is to your advantage to approach it this way. And the the same has happened in Lead Inferno from the start, mostly because I, I learned a lot from discovering that and gather up and seeing that fuel us. So With Leadferno, as I was mentioning, there's all kinds of tools built out there around text messaging and and text marketing. Um, But what we realized early is we wanted to build a solution that was really centralized on conversion. Um, And interesting enough, if somebody asked me, you know, what Leadferno is, we are a conversion solution. What we found is that text messaging was a great way to fuel conversion because of the demand for the channel, how easy it was uh, to use for both sides um, so where a lot of people look at it, and it's still part of our messaging that we bring two-way text messaging to a business, when we talk to customers, when we point out what we're trying to do, when we continue to plan our future roadmap, at the end of the day, we're all about starting more conversations. Texting just happens to be a great tool to do that. Um, So, as we continue to go on, our positioning in the market um, and the things that we do with our product and how we talk to our customers is all about conversion. And that's what separates us and makes us unique from all the other text messaging tools out there. I can go through and point out to people here's where we're more flexible because we're after conversion. Here's what we allow you to do. Here's where you can see features that are focused on it that our competitors in the market don't have these features. They might have more things in the line of text marketing and text blasts and some of these other things, but that's not where we're focused. We want to get you more leads. We want to help start more conversations so that you can grow your business through those new opportunities.
1: Other than what you mentioned already, can you give us some of some examples besides positioning where else you can apply company identity?
0: Right. If you go all the way up to the highest level, like even in our brand and in, in the name Leadferno, right? Like, Texting might come and go, uh, you know. Who, who knows? As we get into everything, that once marketers get a hold of it, it gets abused and spammed and whatever else. And and maybe it's not the way to go anymore. Um, so our brand identity is around lead, right? Lead inferno. We're we're implying that leads, you know, uh, hot leads, lots of leads, an inferno of leads is what you're getting after. So r- right from the start, uh, you know, text isn't in our name. Um, and part part uh, of those elements. When you look at like some of our positioning and taglines, things like that, close more leads faster, win right now. So we're speaking to immediacy um, and being able to engage with, with customers fast because text messaging um, has the opportunity to be a, a real time communication tool and the cycles to go much faster than trading phone calls and voicemails and emails and, and all of those uh, other pieces. And then when we get into like the features and the positioning um it it shows up there too again that we're speaking towards those things so like our buttons that we place uh on the website that's called our lead box and even though texting is one of the main options in there we're one of the few tools that allows you to place other calls to action as well so you can put your phone number and call tracking in there so they can click the call out of our lead box They can click to email you, they can click to visit a contact form or an estimate form. You can link like your Calendly or an appointment booking service into it and you can book a call or a meeting out of it. So at the end of the day, we see it like we're placing these floating buttons on every um, uh, page, every screen that your users on, let's give them a group of your top options. And kind of, as you mentioned before, like power of choice that, uh, that those options is something that fuels conversion. So now we're saying, all right, your your ability to start asking us questions, to choose if you want to work with us, it can start a number of ways. You can choose the one you have the most trust or you like the most or you're most comfortable with instead of us saying, this is the only way. You have to fill out this form and that's the only way to work with us. And you have to answer these 18 questions and that's the only way to to work with us. Um, So yeah, to me, it really kind of bleeds down through all, all of those Areas from the brand, your messaging, uh, and and then obviously how you educate. And I'm big on content marketing and education-based sales. Um, And so it's just really helping people embrace and understand how much conversion can help their business. And then putting on equal ground, how much texting can help conversion.
1: The part that I, I like, which is incorporating your own language around your identity, brand and category if it's applicable using your own language and your verbiage. I think that has some powerful subconscious uh, (laughs) effects and it can also be Done in a fun, playful way in your copywriting, if you're a company that can be playful, it just depends on what industry you're in of course yep. do you have like a framework of how you go about building out a company identity? where do you start with building this?
0: yeah boy, I definitely don't have an exact framework yet um it it's something it's it's one of those probably some of that just kind of comes. Easy to me and how I think about it and uh, uh, approach it, um, but I can definitely say like here's some things that came to mind for me for people to watch out for that I've seen uh, that initially I had a problem with, uh, and I saw other partners that I've had have problems with this, um, and that's as founders when you're selling and when you get no's and a lot of times when you hear why they said no and and they say you know they went with a competitor. You, we we always have this look of looking at competitors, and because it has a label and it can be like uh, put together tightly, we always look at that like oh they they have their stuff together right like this customer said they're not going me with me they're going with them and so the first inc- uh, inclination for a lot of people is like I need to be more like them. People keep saying this feature or this thing or this product, and so I need to be more like that, even if it's like might go completely against a uniqueness that you feel or that you know that you just even haven't manifested yet, right? And maybe, you know, that's another important point. in it is like, take a look at how you think about your product, what you have to say, what you want it to be, all those things. And like, are you manifesting it the, the right way? Are you putting it out there? Are you putting it into writing and positioning it and doing all those things? But the that pitfall you have to watch out for is, You have all these other market forces that are telling you you should be something else a lot of times. Very rarely do you get the feedback like, oh, you're so great in what you're doing, right? That would strengthen your fortitude to like have those battles, stay consistent because you might be teaching people a lot on how you're unique, whatever that uniqueness is. You might need to like help them build up value in it um, and understand what that uniqueness is, but Uh, I I do also see no matter what it is, people can have a lot of respect for you for being able to be dedicated to that uniqueness as well, as long as it isn't completely away and you don't have product market fit with that uniqueness and, and you're nowhere tied in. But I find when you embrace it and you think about it and how can we represent that uniqueness more in every aspect instead of just being fine with, like I said, those you know, all those but statements, where this company but this, or where this competitor but that. Um, I just don't think those are going to get you far enough when people are looking to make product choices um, and stay with you and even understand in the future where you're going to continue to go. They're going to know what to expect from you when they understand what that uniqueness is uh, and how ingrained it is um, into your business. So, yeah, maybe someday, maybe that'll be after this company. I'll get to work on the framework uh, and here here's how to do it. But um, I think some of the advice I just passed along is like, be super self-aware how you're thinking about it. Try to get that out in the open and start getting it into writing, written form, uh, things like that. Build up uh, a confidence so that you're not constantly chasing all of your competitors and thinking you need to be like them, uh, to To win uh, uh, against them. Um, and then just once you understand it, just really embrace it. Don't hold back from it. Make decisions um, with that uniqueness and with that awareness in mind.
1: Could you elaborate a bit when you say people want you to be like this? Are you referring to investors, customers, or both?
0: Yeah, it, it could be investors. I, I'm speaking more on the customer side, but it, it's really just kind of human nature, right? When we like when we see something else and it's already wrapped up in a brand and has marketing and has a feature set and all these things, like it's it's a known commodity. It's something that we understand. And when something else isn't there yet and we kind of have to put in work to understand what it is or to get the right uh, frame around it or to wrap it up in, in the right way, we are a- we always want to go to, oh, so it's just like this, but for that, or it's just like this, but just a little bit different, right? We, we go to what's known because that seems like such a, an easy common ground to establish with it. Um, and with customers, a lot of times they can have that towards a product and they just want it to do like, oh, one more thing, or I want it to be a little cheaper. I think I like most of the things about that product because it's just easy for them to surmise or it's like the only thing that they've been exposed to, right? And when it's the only thing they've been exposed to, they're just tied into what that process looks like and what that tool put out. And so that can become very difficult because when it's all you know, then that's where your expectation sits. And then you really have to realize, okay, to break people out of that, I really need to understand how we're different, what our uniqueness is, how to teach them that that uniqueness matters if they come to the table, not understanding um, how much that That matters with it and try to erode a little bit of what their their you know perceived conceptions are about that product or about that experience or about how how they want it to work so it's definitely not easy but once you catch gear with it there's definitely a lot of flywheel elements to it
1: it's an interesting discussion because i'm not sure if it's sometimes the fact that customers want to consolidate and have everything in one solution or if it's not understanding or not believing in your solution being the better approach to the old way, like you have the old way and the new way.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's always out there and always on people's minds. And yeah, your buyers or prospects come to the table with these different angles. Some are looking for right? Efficiency is the most important thing to them. Others are, right, results or sales growth. Um, others, it might be the user experience. They're frustrated with the one they work with or they can't get good support from it. So, right, that, that's always on you as you get into a sales cycle or a demo to suss that out. Like, what are the important pieces to them? And you still need to address those Um, and show them, but then you also, if there's an area where your solution is even more beneficial, um, that right in, in our case, we still have some customers that will continue to use another texting platform within their business, but they add us in because we offer tools that the others don't on the conversion side where I love how those buttons look on my website. I see that they will start more leads and conversations for me. So I'm going to go this extra step. And so I need to understand in, in my positioning and in my pitch, I need to outline for them. Like you might not, you might not be texting at all. You might already be using a tool for texting, but no matter what, we're still a benefit to you. And here's the ways. And then it's in a way you really care about. It's about more leads and more closed business. And Finding out from them, you know, what is an average cost per lead? What's an average project or a deal or a customer worth to you? So now, if we increase that by 10, 15, 20, 50%, um, what does that look like to your bottom line within a month? And now you're talking a common ground of money um, and financial growth, which they all understand no matter what. So that that's something that definitely, you know, makes them interested where they might've come to the table thinking, will this replace what I have? And we get that question all the time. Will this replace what I have or can it replace? And there's a lot to like pick apart in that. And no matter what, how we answer that, I can say, you know, no matter if we can replace that tool or not, definitely adding us, like we will give you ROI on what you're spending with us and you will add in all these other areas. And that's just understanding again, we're not trying to build, a um, one be-all tech solution. Like we don't offer text blasts and I don't know if we we ever will. We want to focus on one-to-one conversations with prospects and customers to have a great personal experience um, and get get them to, to close as opposed to how to send out to 1,500 people, have a third of the list unsubscribe when you're your offer isn't that great or your brand doesn't stand that awesome. And now you're getting that number blacklisted or spammed from them instead of having the opportunity to reach out to them one-on-one as time goes on to be of help get more business, get a referral from them, any of those uh, type of elements.
1: So this brings up another topic that comes up a lot, I think, in the startup world with founders and investors. What are your thoughts on like going deep and laser focused versus going wide and more encompassing of multiple features and capabilities as, as a platform? What are your thoughts? And is it not black and white? Could you change your mind later down the line as the company grows more uh, accomplished and, and generating revenue?
0: Yeah, there's, there's so many variables to that. I think, Brendan, the first thing you want to, and this is, gets back to my theme, like um, in self-awareness and what's unique about you, understand the type of company you want to build, right? Because those two types of companies might end up being very different. Uh, what you have to do to run them, to market them, the market share you need, the size they need to achieve, all, all of those things might be different. And understanding what you're good at and how, how you want success to look might all factor yeah, into those. Um, And I definitely think it can change, you know, um, being deep in one area is probably the easiest place to start. Um, because that allows you to do one thing and do it well and get your feet under you and grow from there. And then maybe you find the horizontal opportunities that are there. Um, I definitely think at some point, right. You, you hit, some difficult times because as you start to go horizontal, there's going to be others in the space that have gone horizontal since day one. Um, and their horizontal just stretches really, really far, right? They have 50, 100, 200 features that you're just never going to catch up to, uh, no matter what you do, unless you take on some incredible funding, um, or hit growth or things like that. Um, but as I was describing before, if you have that deep solution, you can definitely hit upon, the thing that they don't do as well that you do exceptionally that they will choose you to augment that um, and use use your tool in place of that one area um, that's there. But I also know plenty of people that they go to market like that's their idea is kind of an all in one solution to run a large part of a business or all the back operation back office operations within a category, obviously anybody building a CRM, like you're gonna be in that category. You're gonna bite off on a ton of features because expectations are so high because of how many are in the market. Even if you're building a CRM just for painters or just for auto mechanics, right? Just uh, specific in one area, there's still gonna be quite a feature set that you need to adopt from day one. So it's the old cop out of, of it depends. uh, But I would definitely start with like, what best suits how you think how you sell um, what your ideas are around it and the type of business you want it to be the size you want it to be to be successful for you and that'll probably factor into some of those decisions
1: great answer I, i love that response so coming back to to this identity concept for more technical founders who may struggle with this, because I know you, I think you told me your superpower is more sales and marketing, so it's more natural for you. So what would you say to technical founders who would consider doing this? And also, when is like the best time to start doing this as a founder, because you may not have that support or that marketing support to help build this out? Yeah, I mean the
0: the easiest shortcut is finding a co-founder that their superpower is sales and marketing, right? Like the there's uh there there's always sales and marketing looking for a technical founder, and there's technical founders looking for sales and marketing, and you know the, the, this is both the easiest uh, way to uh, get that built in your business. It's also probably like one of the hardest and. The most impactful, right? It's the the biggest decision you might make on on who you work with. Um, You know, I look. I I got really lucky. My founder's more product uh, and technical. My co-founder's more product and technical oriented. And Joel and I knew each other for like ten years before we started this business together. Um, So we had background. We knew how each other worked. We knew long term, all the other things, and you know, we were aligned on the right things. Um, but also very, you know, different in, in other areas. that complemented our skill sets and where we wanted to focus and all those other areas. So that's definitely one to look at. that The other is like it, when you have one set of skills and you just have to know, I have to dedicate myself to learning enough on these other side. And especially for technical founders, like sales and marketing is so important, right? Like it is so important. You, it's just too crowded of a space to like build it, and they will come. My product's great, so everyone would use it. Like you have to be able to get that word out. You need to be marketing while you're, you know, you start the first line of code. You should already be marketing. You should already have the splash page up and be talking about building it and your excitement for it and be sharing it. And if you're a technical founder that's an introvert and you don't like to share anything and you're just going to toil away until you get it to be perfect enough for someone to use it you've wasted months or longer um, getting the message out, getting repetition of people hearing about it and making them interested and just telling that story as that story unfolds and and gets out there. So there's obviously a lot of content uh, that you can take on, podcasts you can listen to, everything else, books you can read on storytelling and marketing um, all the way down to the angle of, you know, for tech specifically built for technical marketers uh, or technical founders. Um, to be a marketer, but yeah, you'd, you you got to look into that stuff because it it takes um all of those angles uh, to find success and and achieve it. So, if you find it in a co co founder, I think that's a a great great way to go. You're you're doubling, um, if not more, ten xing your superpowers and what you can achieve. Um, but if you have to learn it and make it happen for yourself, like find resources hold yourself accountable, be persistent um, and consistent with it uh, and learn the things that you can do well and keep pushing yourself to add to those uh, skill sets because you're going to need them.
1: Yeah, you hit on some great points there. This has been a great conversation. I really learned a lot. So thank you so much. Before we wrap up here today, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience?
0: Uh, just I, I'm a very uh, social person on Twitter. So if you want to follow me at Aaron uh, on on Twitter. Uh, I engage a lot there. Obviously, if you have any interest in acquiring more leads uh, for your business, uh, we have software companies that use Leadferno as well. We use it. We text and answer customers' questions, and they can directly book demos through our lead box. So leadferno.com is where you can go, and you can start texting with us to see what it's like for a user experience. So easy to, to use our product to... Um, uh, to find out about learning more about our our product so dog food eating dog food I don't even I don't even know how that works but you can use our product as the the consumer to understand how it works and how your prospects and customers will feel when they engage with you
1: and are you a linkedin guy as well can we add your linkedin in the show notes
0: yeah totally fine add linkedin i probably I call LinkedIn slow Twitter. So I post there maybe once a month or so where Twitter is more, more close to daily, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely there and open to connections there too.
1: That's good to know. Well, thank you so much again, Aaron, for joining us today on the Founder Pack podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, Brendan. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Founder Pack podcast with Brendan Ron part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share the channel and ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.